Affordable housing is a basic human right, and to build a better Kentucky where all our people can thrive, safe and reliable housing is absolutely essential. I wanted to be better and meet those goals, and it wouldn't have been possible without Kentucky housing. Knowing that I had a roof over my head, um, food to eat, knowing that I didn't have to want for anything, um, that's a that's a big plus. Being a single parent and not having to worry about um, you know housing, uh, paying bills while you know being in school. But I am here to tell you that there is a lot of beauty in this part of the county. Bringing it home with KHC. Welcome back to Bringing It Home with KHC. My name is Steve Morrow, and I am your host today. Our second episode explores the challenges Kentuckians are facing with multifamily units. Multifamily housing is a universal term for any housing that has more than one unit. A duplex, apartment building, condominium complex, or a collection of townhomes are all considered multifamily housing. Kentucky Housing Corporation funds multifamily development with low-income housing tax credits, tax-exempt bonds, and the Affordable and National Housing Trust Fund. Developers use those funds to create housing units for low-income Kentuckians. This year, KHC funded 13 new projects with more than $12.5 million in tax credits, as well as $8.5 million in new funding provided by the American Rescue Plan. Joining us today are Jim King, the president of FAHI, and David Cooper, the president and chief legal counsel of Woda Cooper Companies, to discuss trends, issues, and solutions for the problems facing multifamily housing. We'd love to start if you would just tell us a little bit about what you do and what FAHI does uh, here at Kentucky. I'm Jim King. I'm the president and CEO of FAHI. Uh, we're a membership organization that um, in, uh, does a, a spectrum of community development uh, activities, um, that, um, but, but housing, I think, is pretty central to the way uh, that, we, that we live and work in, in the communities that we're serving. Our members are across uh, six Appalachian states, and, um, and together we serve about 80,000 people annually. Yeah, so that, that's interesting because I think that maybe, um, what does it mean, I guess, to, to be a member? Or, so you, you yourself have, you, you, it's not just one organization, you're working with um, tons of small nonprofits right across all of these states. Yes, uh, a little bit about I think our members, and then and then about how we serve that membership. So, um, members are not um, uh, franchised. You know, it's uh, we we do have members who are habitats, uh, community action agencies, five hundred one c corporations that were were started with the primary mission of of, of affordable housing in in the in their regions. Um, different kinds of volunteer ministries. And they range in size from about five staff to I think our largest number is um, is employing somewhere around six hundred people, and um, and and as as sophisticated um, community action agencies, right? Like you, you know, they're touching an awful lot of different kinds of of activities. Um, but what we but what what binds those members together is that. Um, People have to have a place that they, they can go home to at night that, that is theirs, uh, whether they're renting or owning 
um, and um, and it needs to be affordable to them, and it needs to be um, adequate in a whole lot of different you know different ways. Um, we support um, so so the way we would frame kind of our our mission um, is really about uh, creating a, a thriving uh, a thriving region in Appalachia, uh, which encompasses opportunities for people to, to, to work, uh, to live, um, that we're building communities that people want to be part of. And um, housing is a, a very central part of, of what that is. At, at FAHI, we support the members and sort of to our theory of change, um, programs are great. Um, but when you look at a place like Appalachia that has a long-standing persistent poverty, and it's one of six regions in our country, um, rural, rural poverty, persistent poverty, uh, 85% of that resides in rural America and Appalachia is one of the places where that, that, that has been a, a really big issue, but certainly not the only place. Um, programs are great in addressing that, but our experience is that local leaders who are supported with uh, the right resources and, um, and, and with certain kinds of skills uh, really do succeed in a way that um, really does bring about that, that kind of change and builds the communities of choice that, that, that are part of our mission. Um, so we operate not just as a membership organization, but we, we, we're capitalized as a community development financial institution. We run a mortgage platform. We have um, low-income tax credit funds. Uh, we run a community uh, fund as well, where we're, we're providing resources on a regular, consistent basis to our members in pass-through grants, trainings, uh, places they can work collectively um, so that we get a better impact together. And I'm, I might just add, Steve, now that I got kind of rolling here, I, I'm sorry. Um, but I, I might add that um, um, the reason the collective action matters to us and, uh, is um, we're dealing with issues that are, on, that, that, that are at scale. And, um, and in rural, in rural America, it is difficult to achieve scale on your own. So you really do need trusted partners in order to achieve scale together. So how do you decide um, kind of where to invest or which communities or, um, or which members even become part of uh, the collective? Um, well, I'm not the decider. Um, we're, uh, we're a co-op. And um, the way members uh, join is um, we, we um, it's usually through other members. They invite folks to come to meetings. We host state by state. We host four meetings a year. Uh, we try to do those in person. As, as we all know, the last couple of years have been harder to do face meetings. Um, and then members also to get together as, a, as an entire membership twice a year. Um, um, so we invite folks to, to, to come join uh, if they like what they see and, um, and, and we see value in them, then uh, um, the members themselves will actually put forward uh, an organization for membership. Um, um, but we don't take 
we don't take that casually. We, we charge very little in terms of like from a financial standpoint for being a member. What we want is people's participation and, um, and a spirit of cooperation. And so it, it's, it's really, it's not a secret club, but it's definitely not for everybody. And, um, um, and so we're, we are looking for fo- we are looking for organizations that um, have a track record with paid professional staff. Um, I have a lot of respect for folks who are volunteering, but um, if, if consistency is one of the things you need in in rural communities, then um, we want we want to know they can sustain a, a staff and they can produce an audit and they can actually build something. Well, you mentioned a couple of things there. One of them. Um, kind of mentioned how difficult it is during the pandemic um, you know, to get together. One of the challenges there, um, but being kind of where you're located, uh, we recently had, of course, the flooding in, in Eastern Kentucky uh, and a couple of your members, I, I think were, were impacted by that. And probably a lot of others were impacted maybe indirectly. Um, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how that changes your work going forward, or maybe even just the way, um, you know, that, that you'll, invest in the future or thinking about the future here. I do think whether this is central to the conversation that you want to have or not, I, I do think, I do think that the issues around climate change, we definitely have seen a lot more happening in happening in our region that have affected people. Um, the tornado in Western Kentucky, which was just before that, there was the 2021 flooding in Breathitt County. Um, we've had two or three tornadoes in Alabama in our service area and all of, all in the same span. And so um, I guess two things. One, it feels to me like natural disasters have become a regular course for us, um, sadly. Um, so I think, um, uh, and, and at the same time, I, I, I would, I would just express that some of what we've seen in Eastern Kentucky in this 2022 flood is among the most devastating that I've seen in my 30 plus years of, of this work. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a big deal. I think, I think collectively, I would say this is going to shape our work and definitely the work in Kentucky is, is completely influenced by, by what's happened. Um, it, you mentioned, um, some of our members we had, we had 11 of our members who were affected by the flood. Um, and, um, some not as significant, of course, as others, where we have four counties that were federally declared disaster area. And, and, and it, that's a big deal. You know, it was, it was a big, it's a big issue. We've got, I believe, five members who are pretty active on a daily basis on either uh, flood recovery or thinking about the permanent rebuild um, on, on the housing side. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of work to do there. Um, so, so yes, it does shape us. And I think we're leaning pretty heavily on how do we support one another? Um, uh, it's been, it's, I was in, I was in Heinemann yesterday. Um, and, um, just, just the stories that you hear, uh, at a community level about how people are coming together 
uh, I'm also seeing with my own members. Who, so even members who were not affected by this flood are donating um, money, resources, um, offering their assistance in any way they can. And so I think there's um, kind of out of out of the midst of all of this uh, this catastrophe, there is a uh, there is a real spirit of caring that I'm seeing in a lot of places and in, in a lot of ways that um, I think is also extended to our members. Um, it's, it's a, it's a super encouraging thing to, to bear witness to. Right. Yeah. Super encouraging despite, like you said, all, all of the hardships that this is, this is, uh, this is you know, brought upon Kentucky and, and areas around it. So um, I guess if, if we back up, just thinking about affordable housing, um, since you are in so many different states, um, you know, how does it differ here in Kentucky uh, versus, you know, um, Virginia? Are you in Tennessee, um, North Carolina, places like that, like right around us? Do we have different challenges here? If we're talking about the Appalachian counties, um, Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky has, I think, more in common from a housing perspective with, say, West Virginia, uh, particularly in the coal fields. Um, and, and, and so um, um, central, central Appalachia, which still has, I think, a real concentration of being under-resourced, um, and that's reflected in, I think, I think some of the, 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 the incomes and poverty, uh, numbers that we see, um, the, the Southern coal fields of West Virginia, Southwest Virginia, and parts of East Tennessee, I think are all very, very similar, um, to, to Eastern Kentucky. I think, um, the, um, the, the, the challenge is then to, supplying any kind of housing, I think, um, are, are, are pretty long standing because, you know, developers, developers aren't, aren't, that's not a capital from a capitalistic standpoint and not an encouraging environment. Uh, there are better places to make money than, than building multifamily or single family housing in, 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 in those, in those counties. Um, and I'm, I'm, if, depending on the tone of where you want to go with this, I'm happy to go down those sort of the, those challenges if you like. But um, but I think you just to the point of like where where are those similarities? I think that's true. I think Appalachia is uh, more complicated than just sort of one area because you know Birmingham, Chattanooga, Knoxville are all for instance part of the Appalachian region that we serve, and so you know half of Half of my members actually work in um, in metropolitan areas, uh, but they're metropolitan areas that are associated with this region, um, which is I I started my career in affordable housing uh, and community development in Center City, Philadelphia. Um, that is a very very different environment than even Birmingham. Yeah, just thinking about the the small rural nonprofits that you work with and maybe the challenges that they face in, in getting funding um, for what they're, for developments they're working on or for housing that they're working on. Some of it, some of it is about um, where do we have thriving economies and where are, where are places struggling? Um, and I'd love to talk a little bit about maybe at some point in, in this interview about like why that is and what we can do about it. 
but um, I think I think by and large our members who work in um, in the more rural places um, tend to go for um, uh, they're developing more single family um, detached because um, that's culturally appropriate in, in those communities right nobody's building a high-rise um, or even large complexes for the most part in, in really in really sparsely populated places um, and um, and there's a severe there, there's an absolute limit by which you can really deliver the low-income tax credit or any multi sort of traditionally financed sort of rental housing in um, in in some in some geographies um, and that has to do with median incomes and how subsidies flow in our country so um, um, you know, right to operate to operate uh, rental housing, you got to pay management. And you have a certain set of of fees. If if your fair market rents are just too low to support the infrastructure it takes to run rental housing, that that's what I mean by like there's an absolute limit. Um, so even if everybody got Section Eight, for instance, you still can't cash flow um, that that property um, and that. That's a two-pronged problem. I'm happy to come back to that. The um, in in our in our more um, uh, uh, in in the markets like a Knoxville, for instance, I think our members who are there um, are are doing a bigger mix of multifamily, and they are using the tax credit program. I think pretty pretty regularly, um, um, and that does tend to work. But I think. Think the the way our affordable housing crisis is is sort of continuing to evolve in this country, um, even that's become a real challenge in some markets as well. But but I think for a set of different reasons. What's the two prong? Uh, you said the challenge is two pronged. What what did you mean by that? Incomes are in fact uh, really low in some counties. Um, so when when I used the term earlier about persistent poverty and Appalachia being a region that has a history of persistent poverty. That's a, there's a federal definition of 20% of a population living below the line of poverty for more than three consecutive census. Um, so, so in like kind, the other regions are like the Mississippi Delta um, and, and parts of the deep South uh, Indian country uh, along the Texas-Mexico border, and then um, where you have a lot of farm labor in the um, in the in the valley area of California. Um, um, if you so so just just to say, like the incomes are really low, and so if you if you're looking at say Letcher County, uh, which is one of the flood affected counties. I believe median income there is something like thirty to thirty-three thousand dollars. Um, that's very different from the median income of, say, Lexington or Louisville, which is double. Uh, I think that number. Um, and so that's that's its that's its own issue. Um, from a program, the second issue is that we treat um, need for assistance in this country on a relative poverty basis as opposed to an absolute basis. So um, um, 
HUD programs or USDA programs are actually designed on um, being available based on your percent of area. What percent are you in your area meeting income? But if you but if your whole county is actually depressed, then we're going to cut a bunch of people who would be eligible if they lived anywhere else from being available for assistance. Does that mean it, do, it does make sense? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but it makes it's clear. Yeah. The, those program ideas and sort of the way they're designed work, work really, really well, um, or at least relatively well in a whole lot of places. They just don't work here um, in quite the same way. And, and, and even for, for, for our work, that works really well in Knoxville, Chattanooga, uh, Charleston, West Virginia, uh, Blacksburg, Virginia, um, but not as, not as well in Harlan or Big Stone Gap. Um, the, 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 now, now you're dealing with, with both issues. Well, does, I guess this question is kind of double here. Like, does Fahi collaborate uh, with developers? Um, and are there ways to incentivize them in those communities? Our one, uh, one of, we, we operate on four real basic sort of um, issues. And one of those is part of our tagline, which is strength in numbers. And, 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 and we, we, live, we invest heavily in relationships um, and cooperative work. Um, so, so, so that's a long way of saying, yeah, we, we, we work with, uh, we work with developers. Um, many of many of our members are actually developers and builders of their own. And so, um, our way of answering, uh, the lack of, um, construction companies and developers in our footprint is, um, is, is to then help the nonprofit community build those capacities and, and, um, and support, we support it from that direction, but we're completely happy to also partner with other companies. I think, I think I was supposed to do this, um, this, this, this interview originally with a couple of folks from, from Woda Cooper and back when they were just the, the Woda group, um, um, I remember we've, we've worked with them on a number of deals where we financed their, a couple tax credit properties in Eastern Kentucky. Um, and so absolutely we want to work with anybody and everybody it's, we have big issues to deal with. We can't do it on our own. Yeah, no, that's right. We're going to talk with, uh, with David, uh, Cooper actually at 11 o'clock. Um, and, uh, yeah, so since you know, he's in the multifamily development side of things. Um, and there's a lot of collaboration there. Um, because of Fahi, with the way it's has so many, has many different arms, it seems I'm less familiar kind of with, with what you guys do. Um, and, um, well, a little bit about that, but, um, so how would you, I guess, one of our general questions that we asked, this is our second pod podcast episode. We, the first one we met with, uh, Brent Childers from Bowling Green, City of Bowling Green, um, and then uh, Patrick Bowen from Bowen National Research. And we were just kind of asking about uh, what's the state of affordable housing in Kentucky, you know? And in this one, we kind of wanted to get more into kind of what are some of the multifamily, you know, challenges here in Kentucky, um, multifamily development challenges. Um, 
instead of instead of a single family. I don't know if that's changed because of um, you know the natural disasters and what that's happening now that maybe more properties do need to get built more quickly. Um, but one of the questions we asked them, and I kind of want to ask you as well, was just like, what is how would you characterize the state of affordable housing uh, here in Kentucky? We said, is it poor? You know, is it is it excellent? Is it good? Is it getting better? Like, where are we? My opinion that we are in an affordable housing crisis in our country, that it was a crisis before 2008, but it didn't feel so bad. Maybe we were just used to the level of it, but, um, 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 and, and then in 2008, there was, um, a real, a real disruption in, in the housing industry, just generally, um, um, I think it was about that time that, um, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac pulled out of the tax credit equity market for a spell as they went into receivership. Um, and, um, and, and, and that along with a whole bunch of other dominoes that fell, I think really got in the way of, um, a lot of people, I know contractors who left the business because it was too rough. You couldn't, you know, there just weren't a lot of housing starts and it was easier to make money taking a paycheck, working a regular job than to take the risk as a, as a builder or a developer. A lot of those folks never came back. Right. And so like we have not built for a very long time, um, a housing stock at the pace at which people really do need it. Um, and that's across the whole housing spectrum, uh, market rate, um, multifamily, single family, uh, affordable, any of it. Um, there's just not enough units out there. Right. And so you see that you see an incredible amount of pressure in, in, in every market in, in the, in the country. And so where, where the economy is really hot in some places and housing has gone, um, uh, up in cost past what an average consumer can really afford. Um, is you know, ridiculous, uh, ridiculous rent in some markets. Um, I think, I think in, in Kentucky, then we do have some of that in, in the, in the sort of Northern Kentucky, Louisville, Lexington market, um, and, and sort of like those, those communities in, in and around that. Um, and then as you look at places like um, some of the communities in eastern Kentucky that have been disinvested for a very, very long time, um, that um, um, not only have you not seen, um, seen housing being built at the rate that we need, um, but now that, now that there's, there's, a, there's some lack of it, you, you either have no housing being put on the ground um, leaving people with, I think, some really poor choices, um, um, or too little. Let's say it's not that nothing is being done, right? It's just too little housing is being put on the ground, um, and um, and there's just a ton of risk for anybody, you know, in the development space. It is not um, it, it in in those vulnerable markets, whether they're too hot or they're too cold. And I think that the, the, some of some of your eastern Kentucky counties have a, have a market that feels pretty cold. Um, I know, um, I know somebody who called me looking for um, 
market rate housing in Pike County and said he and his wife needed to move there and there just wasn't, you know, there wasn't enough being built. There was not much available. Um, so I think, um, um, I, I think there's a ton of work to do, but I don't know that it's all on, and certainly not all on Kentucky, although we have, we have to do, we, you know, we have to do better with the resources we have. Um, we don't have a strong national housing policy in this country. And, um, and because of that, we expect the market to take care of these issues with, with subsidy programs that encourage that. That's what the tax credit program does but it doesn't actually deliver with a consistency or a volume that matches the need. Um, I, you know, we're, we're lucky to have, to have it. We could sure use more and it would be great if it was better so that it addressed, I think these wide variants in needs, um, um, better than, than it does now. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, thank you. We wanted to take only about 30 minutes of your time. So I, I kind of want to maybe get a final uh, question in, uh, which is just, I guess, what, what is Fahi working on right now? What projects are you guys working on right now in Kentucky? On the flood, uh, we're working with the governor's office to have a coordinated long-term housing recovery, um, partnering with KHC, USDA, and Habitat to, to, to do that. We see a need for 2,300 new, uh, new homes uh, that covers the whole spectrum of, you know, not, not just affordable housing, just, just housing, um, uh, multifamily, single family, market, uh, subsidized, all of it. Um, that, that's enormous. Uh, we've already started since the wheels around some of that turn pretty slowly. And so... Um, you know, the omnibus just came out yesterday with a identified $3 billion of CDBGDR funds. So, um, you know, like, and we're, we're looking at quite a long time before that money hits the street. So in the meantime, um, we're, we're working with our partners to, um, we've done hundreds of small repair muck outs for people, getting them back in their homes, getting it cleaned up. Uh, we've got almost 60 new homes, um, either finished or under construction right now, um, and um, close to 200 major rehabs so that people can just, you know, get back to permanent shelter uh, in their homes, live in life again. Um, and that project, we, we're terming that campaign as housing can't wait. Uh, we can't wait for when the legislature gets in session, we can't wait for the federal government to release funds. We're, this is the, these are these are these are resources that we we're just putting together as best we know how uh, because people just can't wait. So um, um, and we know help is coming, but uh, we got to do what we can now. Um, that's one. Um, we um, um, we're 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 also working with. Um, HUD and USDA on some of the topically, as I talked about, some of the sort of the barriers around program, um, um, just putting putting the nonprofits in, you know, around the table with 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 HUD, USDA to talk about what are the barriers to the way the programs work 
or don't work well together? What can we, what do we have control over that we can change so that we can make these, these programs hit the street better than they do now? Uh, we've had two round tables with, with them. Um, um, and, and that's, um, you know, that's, that, that we have high hopes that we can do better. Um, and there's a ton of willing people. It's just like, sometimes we just, we just need to encourage each other to say, let's look beyond what the program says we can do. And let's talk about the way it ought to be. Um, so, um, that that's important to us. Uh, we're inviting philanthropy to, to the table for some of that, because, um, I think in a region like ours, um, I, I probably should have prepared a little better for, um, maybe some of these questions, but I, I think this is a disin. When I, when I talk about persistent poverty, poverty in this country is at, at times intentional. Me, and, and sometimes that's by neglect, right? It's not hard to look at, say, Indian country and say, um, you know, this, this happened on purpose. Um, and it's, uh, and, and the, the level of investment hasn't met the, the longstanding disinvestment. So that's also true in the coal fields and, and, and parts of Appalachia. Um, and, um, and, and so thinking about federal policy and how that intersects with philanthropy to change the, the, the way investment works in our country so that we're putting money in places where people have great need um, really matters. Um, and so I would just capstone it with, we're in partnership with our friends in the Delta Indian country along the border, um, and, and, and farm labor, um, 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 because that encompasses those, those places, uh, are, are home to over 20 million people who live in persistent poverty regions. Uh, and that's 85% of the persistently poor population in this country. Um, and, um, um, and I think it gets to sort of the cooperative vision, but like they have the same housing issues that we talked about here. Uh, I have a lot in common with um, uh, my work and the way they're doing their work. And so we, we're, not, we're not the same and we're not trying to be the same, but we are choosing to say these are, what, these are the places that we have similarities that we would be more powerful if we worked together. Um, that, that, that there are lots of families who, um, who, who are up against that sort of ledger counter county barrier, for instance, right. Where median income is very low. I can, I can find you those counties. And, you know, if you go out to the Pine Ridge reservation in South Dakota, same thing, um, um, at that, at some level, it's the same. Uh, and, um, and so we are choosing to work together so that um, the families that we're, that, that we're working for have voice, um, but they need each other. And that gets kind of, I think you, you asked about the role of collaboration. I actually think that kind of collaboration um, is what gives me hope that we can address some of the longstanding barriers to, to delivering the real, the real solutions that I think people and places need. And, um, and that makes me super excited. Um, so I think it's, um, it's, that's the hope for our nation, right? It's, it's black and brown and white saying we all have, um, you know, this is, this represents our country. Um, and it does. Um, uh, and, and, um, 
and we can do so much better. Had a quick question for you. Are you guys partnering with Team Kentucky on the new redevelopment or um, rebuilding effort in Eastern Kentucky? It's very exciting. Family has generously donated um, 75 acres, as I recall. I think that's the scope of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm expecting, I think I mentioned um, in the course of this, or at least it was in my brain, that um, that we're we're committed to work with the governor and, and one of the cabinet secretaries on a long-term housing recovery. Uh, I think the leadership of that is going to come from, of course, from the governor, but um, FAHI, KHC, um, USDA Habitat will be there. And, and the Housing Development Alliance, I think, in this announcement yesterday got, uh, you know, they're announcing $600,000 to get a couple of houses started. Uh, Homes Incorporated, who, who was not in attendance, I think is also getting um, not quite as much money as that, but all, but all from the same source. The grant for the repairs is going uh, from Foundation for Appalachia, Kentucky, to our member Appalachia Service Project. Um, so um, absolutely, um, we're trying to be all over it, uh, but it, it does feel like too little butter over too much bread right now. So, um, but it's good. I mean, it's, it's, there, it is, it's hard, but encouraging to me to work alongside um, people who are really committed and selfless in what they do. It's, I mean, it's really, I felt really good um, the last couple of days, just talking, talking to our partners and just knowing what they're doing. Uh, and it was nice to see them get a little recognition when the governor was in town yesterday. So, um, I was just going to say, I know that you mentioned there's a housing crisis in the nation. And do you think that the answer is, um, do you think the answer is economic development? Do you think it's a supply issue? I mean, if you had to pinpoint it, how do you think that we can fix that housing crisis? Is it funding? Uh, like a double yes times pie to all of those items, right? Um, there's no simple solution, right? There's not just one. I do think anybody who would tell you that we have to think about economic development and workforce development, all of that um, is right. Um, I think it is short-sighted to think that we're going to wait for that. Um, our, they, I, mentioned, I mentioned the two different sort of spectrums of the crisis because um, this is not an issue. Affordability is no longer an issue for people who are at the lowest spectrum of, of income anymore, right? It has gotten increasingly difficult for hardworking, average, right? Like your, your, your sort of average household to, to find housing that they can afford to live in or that is decent. And sometimes it doesn't exist. And sometimes it's just, it's, it's, it's nearly, you know, unaffordable. And I think that um, it is pushing, I think, our country, our lack of attention to housing policy is actually creating a divide in our country about who has and who does not have um, that, that um, is not at a crisis level of, its, of itself yet, but left to its own. It doesn't look like the kind of thing that it solves itself, you know, like when my kids were little, we had this same, my wife and I had this thing of like, you know, and then we've got that sort of whiny butted complaining thing about like, you know, ah, this thing. And it's like, well, did it just start? Well, maybe it'll just stop. Right. Like, well, this is not one of those things. Right. I don't think we can. I don't think we can ignore it. 
I, I do think the administration is making some effort to think about things like supply chain and um, uh, um, at, at, a, at a level that is, I think, important, um, but we're still using the same tools, if you will, right? Like, so we can solve, if, let's pretend we solve the supply chain issue. Um, we still, we still rely on the tax credit program as the single singular way that we, um, that we deliver multifamily solution in this country. It's not the only way and pub there's public housing and other things, but like just generally, um, I think from a KHC perspective in particular, like this is your tool. Um, it's competitive. There's never enough credit to go around. How much the credits are worth has something to do with the whatever demand there is for such a credit. And so I would just say that feels like a tool that's a bit insufficient to the issue, right? And I'm underselling it by saying a bit, but you know, it's a public podcast, so I don't want to, you know, come slamming too hard, but but it is, right? So um, um, you know, if you want to do a job right. Um, sure, a pair of pliers might be the thing you could use, but um, somebody who knows better will tell you like that tool is not big enough or it'll strip or whatever. Like you need the right tool and you need enough tools. And right now we're trying to do too much with too little and expecting a better outcome. And, um, and, and all I'm saying is despite all of the many wonderful people who do work in this space, and y'all are part of that. And, and, you know, we got lots of good public servants in, at HUD and USDA and, and, and a ton of good advocates and housing developers out there. Um, man, we could use some help, right? And, and, uh, and, and by help, I mean a commitment of resources that would be consistent and that would be predictable and that we'd be at a level that we could sustain the work. But if you're going to fund a project here and there, how do you expect capacity to stay in communities? Um, if I were looking for a career in, a, in, a, in an industry, I'm not going to go looking for one where it's like, well, every two years we get something funded. You know, like it's just everything about us in a practical sense screams out. We know that doesn't that doesn't work. Um, so, you know, it's a it's a, actually a miracle that such good work gets done with um, the, the way we come at this and, um, and I don't, I don't know that I have a better answer than that other than, um, uh, I think this is, this is a bigger, this is a big issue that can't be dealt with in a one size fits all. And it can't be done by just thinking about just some parts of it. We should think about the entire supply chain, meaning where will the funds come from and how does capital flow? And then how is that different in different parts of our country and, and how do we how do we support that? Well, this has been fascinating. We obviously could talk to you forever, um, but we've taken up enough of your time. So uh, just do you have any parting thoughts, anything that you think people should know about affordable housing, particularly in Appalachia? I do think I do think KHC is a remarkable uh, housing finance agency and, and for, for decades, I, I mean, I, I have done this for a long time. I am, I'm, I'm older than I'd like to admit to myself. Um, but this is the, this is the standard by which 
uh, you know, years ago, we would talk to say uh, other neighboring states not to be named about like what it looks like. And I think collaboration and a big tent and thinking um, about about not not just project by project, but what does it take to create a thriving ecosystem for housing uh, are things I learned from 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 folks at KHC and how that got demonstrated. And so uh, we need more. That's 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 really it. We just need more. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. To continue this discussion, listen to part two of this episode, which can be found at blog.kyhousing.org.